We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. I'm Chanae Ogwumike. I'm Lisa Leslie, and we're very excited to tell you about our new podcast with Blue Wire, Front and Center. Lisa and I are breaking down what's going on in our lives, in the world, and keeping it 100. We're also learning from amazing guests as well, like Emmanuel Acho. People that show love to me, I forever got their back. Vivica A. Fox. If the foundation isn't right, then the rest of it's going to go wrong from there. And more. Subscribe to Front and Center today. What's good, everybody? Welcome back to Veterans Minimum. I'm your host, Nick Dayas at The Lamb Show is where you can find me. At Veterans Minimum is where you can find everything for the show. My guy, zooming in, repping the VM hat. You know what I'm saying? $25, it could be yours too, baby. Taryn, what up? Yes, sir. What up, man? How are you liking in the new stew? Listen, I uh, it's coming along. There's still, there's still some things I need to do. I need some more soundproofing. Uh, we had a little bit of a technical difficulty. We've been trying to do this for about a half hour now, but uh, I just wanted to make sure that there was no echo because I could hear an echo, but you know, I'm a professional Taryn and I can edit this shit out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all right. You got to, you know, get it right. We're, we're about quality around here. All about quality, baby. All about quality. But yeah, dude, I spent the whole weekend just setting everything up. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's my workplace. It's, it's my home place now. I got something, we got something cooking up here, a lot of good things happening, 
some uh, new connections being formed. And uh, it's good, man. It's good. You know, it, I, I didn't chill this whole weekend at all, um, kind of just setting everything up. I mean, you know, we, we've talked about this before. You just recently moved into a new place. It's not, it's not the most uh, laid back, relaxed thing you could do. Oh, definitely not. No, it's a lot of work. After, it's really nice. But the, the process of when you're still moving in, getting everything set up, unpacked, et cetera, it's a, it's a lot. I was lucky enough to not have to do this all in one day. I really was. I started my move last Sunday. So I've been doing this for eight days and I'm still not even done. But it was between working and putting out the content and whatnot and the editing. It was just, all right, I'm going to move these these bags of clothes in. Then I'm going to go and move in my dresser. Then I'm going to bring in the desk and I'm going to bring in the lights and, you know, little by little. Now, the last thing I need to bring in, Taryn, is my TV. Now, to paint the picture, I watched all the Sunday Night Football on my phone because I also didn't have a charger until this morning for my laptop. So, <laughs> it shouldn't be a surprise to you, bro. <laughs> <laughs> It sounds about right. It sounds how that would go. I mean, I did all my move in two days, but it was a rough two days. I didn't get to move the big stuff like my bed and and desk and all that until the second day. So first day, I just had every other thing except like those few piled in my room and I slept on the floor with no TV or anything. It was, it was a doozy. But yeah, it can be tough, but it's worth it after. Yeah, I just, uh, I just put together... A nice list of a couple more things that I need to get from my crib before we really finalize everything. But yeah, man, starting this week, I got I got a couple people starting to come in, you know, locked and loaded. This was this was my main priority setting up first. And then from there, I can ease in everything else. But how'd you enjoy uh, week eight? Let's uh, open up with that one. I mean, it was some some good football, some interesting storylines. I was in a mood already after, you know, the first set of games at noon my time for the rest of the day but you try to move past that dalvin cook i huh? just whipped his dick out and let the whole world see it especially in creep bay <laughs> oh yeah i mean i saw it and pretty much from every angle it was it was a rough one it's uh you know Still, Green Bay still thinks a good team, but we have two very huge weaknesses that they refuse to address. So, and that's the kind of thing that happens. What are those weaknesses? Uh, we don't have any wide receivers outside of Devontae Adams, and we don't have any. We're we're kind of small up front outside of Kenny Clark, and uh, we cannot stop the run to save our lives. I do want to say that I agree with you, number one. Um, but also, Dalvin Cook, historically, shreds the Packers. Like, 125 yards, two touchdowns is sort of his floor. And yesterday, you saw the ceiling. I mean, it was a really unique game because there were seven touchdowns scored in that game all by two players. And it's funny because I do think there are a lot of teams that are like Minnesota and Green Bay in the sense where a lot of their scoring production comes from two guys. It's the heart and soul of the offense for Minnesota, even excluding Kirk Cousins. Like, you know how sometimes we'll be like, oh, who's the most valuable player on an offense? And right away you're like, oh, it's the quarterback. Well, not so much in Minnesota. It's, it's legitimately Dalvin Cook. 
And then on the flip side, the most, I think, the most important offensive player in football, other than quarterback, if he's not one, he's definitely in the top three. It's Devontae Adams because one of my strongest takes and leans coming into this year was I really thought Michael Thomas of 2019 was what we were going to see out of Devontae Adams in 2020. Now, I know he missed a little bit of time because he got hurt, but dude, I have him in fantasy. He's my fantasy wide receiver. And let me just read the box score of games that he's played because it goes back to what you're saying, Taryn. Like right now in my league, he's the wide receiver 17, right? We play half PPR. We we also have some like really cool dumb shit bonuses too. Like if a guy gets 200 yards receiving or rushing, it's like, yo, you're going to get five extra points. That's a big game bonus. That's not something that happens every week, right? Week one against Minnesota, 14, 156, and two. Week two against Detroit, left in the second half. He had three for 36. Come back, comes back against Tampa Bay, six for 61. Houston, 13 for 196 and two. Minnesota, 7, 53, and three. On top of that, in every game that he's played four quarters, he's seen double digit targets. He's literally doing what Michael Thomas did in 20. 19 and I think the comparison Taryn and tell me how you feel about this one the offenses are very very similar in the sense that the drop-off in 2019 between Michael Thomas and the number two wide receiver Traquan Smith and then Devontae Adams to MVS or Alan Lazard it's it's sort of the same gap would you agree yeah it's pretty close so uh, I think the similarity is, is very accurate. Now, what do you think Green Bay could do, bro? Trade deadline is tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow's going to be out of control between the trade deadline. There's an election going on. I don't know if you, you've been aware of that. A lot of chaos is going to happen over the next couple of days. But sticking with the NFL, let's not get too sidetracked. Do you think there's anything possible? Is there anything you're hearing in, in, in Packer Nation, Packer Radio, Sports Talk Radio that's, that's in the works? <clears throat> um, the only thing I've heard is that they have interest in Will Fuller and they've been apparently eyeing him up since like the summer. So, I mean, if there's a silver lining to what happened yesterday, maybe it's, it pushes them like, yo, I mean, I know we got ran on, but that's one thing we still could have, you know, we had a lot of drives get stalled for that reason. Yeah. I, you, you could see it. Like, even if the protection is good, it's going to break down eventually. Aaron Rodgers didn't, play bad at all he played fine but you know all of a sudden especially come like the second half when just the whole Vikings defense is like where's Devontae Adams there's not much you can do after that you know you can get a few balls to big uh big Bobby Tunyon and then try to swing it out to the running back a little bit but it's you clearly need help there so maybe it helps push them in that direction Otherwise, I've heard nothing. We are just not a team historically to make a, make moves, whether it's free agency or trade deadline, anything like that. We're very – you build from the draft, and that's how it's going to be. Yeah, man, I know that they built through the draft. I remember a couple of years ago when you guys had Julius Peppers. It was – I think him and, like, two other players were non-drafted Packers on the roster. It was like it was like 49 of the 52 on the roster were not drafted by the Packers, which is it's cool. It does. And especially when you look at Green Bay having all this success that they've had over the years 
they they do draft and develop players well. But it does seem like some of them hit their ceiling and the ceiling is not too high. So I don't know if it's a pride issue. I don't know if it's a organizational issue where they going back to the pride thing, they have too much pride to be like, yo, we need help. Like our drafting might not be it. But you look at the landscape of the league, bro. Everybody brings in free agents, right? It's just something that you do all the time. So I think as as we sort of rotate to a different game, uh, you take a look at what Miami did, right? Speaking of free agents, Brian Flores. And that was one of my GOAT calls ever, bro. I was all in on the Dolphins D from a fantasy perspective, DFS perspective. And there were a couple of things that were interesting about it, right? Brian Flores was the DC against the Rams in the Super Bowl with Bill Belichick. And he shut down that Rams offense. And that's exactly what you saw in that first half yesterday. Like the score ended 28-17 to his first game. Uh, Tua didn't need to do anything because it was all... The defense, a punt return touchdown as well. Gaskins got going. Um, you know, Gaskins and David Montgomery, sort of the same guy. Uh, great three yards per carry running backs, it seems like. Except Gaskins could give you something out the backfield. But how do you... That game, I think it's, it's a tale of two teams going in opposite directions. Despite the Rams having a 5-3 and three record and the Dolphins being 4-3. and three, I think the Rams, the Niners, they got two quarterbacks, bro, that I'll say this and I'll die on this hill. When it's good, Taryn, it's really good. But when it's bad, it justifies the idea of pulling Jared Goff and Jimmy G. But let's stay with Jared Goff for now. What you, would you think of yesterday and what would you think of that Dolphins game? Yeah, it was a really interesting one. Obviously, I was really excited to see Tua, but like you said, it was – the defense that did it imagine dude what brian flores has done with this team just like aside from just yesterday going from tanking to a legitimate like playoff contender in such a short period of time it's it's really good for him and um coming from a lot of people i think were worried because it was just like matt patricia you know what i mean like oh here's another bill belichick you know, defensive guy, how's this going to go? But it's definitely going well for them so far. And I agree with what you said about these two teams going in different directions. The Rams, you know, kicking the shit out of the entire NFC East maybe made it look like they're a bit better than they actually are. Yeah, and then you beat Chicago on Monday night. Congrats. Enjoy yourself. It, I, I get it. And I go back to what my buddy Boss used to say way back on the show in a conversation that my friends and I always have. Where, all right, you're you're five and two, you're six and one, but who'd you beat? And one argument is, well, it's not my fault they're on my schedule, and that's fair. But it's also not my fault that I'm critiquing you on who you beat because you haven't beaten anyone good. They showed a graphic yesterday during Sunday Night Football that if the Eagles and the Cowboys just beat split their division split the division matchups the rest of the way, and lose to everyone else. 4-11-1 wins the NFC East. That would call... If, if the winner of the NFC East doesn't get to seven wins, I guarantee you there's going to be a playoff structure reconstruction 
I, I hope so. I mean, that would be ridiculous. Like, that just shouldn't be allowed to happen. That's crazy, bro. Like, I could get, I could get like, seven and nine, you're one game below 500. That's still bad. That's still bad. Like, there should be a baseline requirement. You have to be 500 or better. Like, you just have to. I just, I think, uh, when was that? Like, last weekend, or maybe early last week, I just tweeted that out. I was, like, just looking at that division. And I was, like, what they should do is just keep it, like, normal. Except if the last division winner is not at least 8-8, eight and eight, then bounce them for a, another wild card spot. And then the top wild card seed gets the home game that they would have done. What do you think of? Uh, what do you think of what's going on in Miami, bro? Are you are you uh, a fan of everything that's going on down there? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I like it. I think that especially now with the Patriots kind of falling apart, the Bills still look good, but it's not like they're a powerhouse i would say so there's uh, i like i like what they're building down there good secondary they got the quarterback we'll see how two ends up looking the rest of these uh the rest of the season here um but i like the direction they're headed i think brian flores should be coach of the year mm, okay and i know i'm doing a uh spoiler i got a mid-season recap episode with a very special guest coming up on thursday um and and I, I think I'm gonna go with Flores, man. I know I gave out Kevin Stefanski at the start of the year, but if you factor in all things considered, I find it hard not to pick Brian Flores. This was a team where the expectations were not very high. They had a very low win total in Vegas from a gambling perspective, and the win totals always kind of gives you a a no bias perspective as to, this is my favorite part about the new studio bro i could just like lean back i can move the mic around you know what i'm saying but the but the win totals always kind of eliminate bias and they tell you like yo look green bay is going to be a 10 and 50 uh they they have a 10 and a half win total expect green bay to be good right miami had one of the lower ones and and you had the unknown factor of of tua but when you factor in what he's done with that team, Fitzpatrick getting benched when he's playing well, the pieces that they've brought in, some of the new changes, right? Like Gaskins wasn't in their plans really at the start of the year. They were still doing Jordan Howard. They were still doing Matt Breida. And then Gaskins is the starting running back for them. He's getting anywhere from 15 to 20 touches a game. And I think he's better suited for a guy like Tua, a, a scat back out the backfield to be able to move the chains like that. So I think when you factor in all those things and how well the defense has been playing as well, it's hard for me not to pick Brian Flores to be coach of the year. And I know like Steeler fans are probably yelling about like Mike Tomlin, but Pittsburgh was expected to be a good team this year. So that's just how I feel about that whole Miami situation, man. I really like what what is going on. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. Um, I definitely could see how there would be some Steelers fans that are upset. And it was the first person also that came to my mind when you brought up Flores for, you know, maybe Coach Thier at this point. But what you said is is true. The expectations, I think, plays a big role in that. And the expectations cannot have been, like, couldn't have been much more different for those two teams. Steelers been coming back were supposed to be good. The Dolphins were just a team, like I said, that – is off of tanking and uh, didn't even start their new QB till about halfway through the year, and he's doing great things down there.
Okay, let's let's stay with these first year QBs because we kind of spent some time on them in the last episode. If you guys haven't checked out the People's Podcast, go and check that out. Got some good feedback on that. People liked. People wanted to get to know you a little bit more too. So it was cool to get to talk a little bit about like how you've dealt with the quarantine and shit like that. So people are a fan of you, Taryn. Uh, you're welcome. Look, ten percent coming this way. All right, uh, I'm your agent now too. Uh, let's uh, let's talk about Cincinnati and the Bengals. Look on Degeneration Bets, the Patreon exclusive betting exclusive. I gave out the Bengals as plus six point underdogs. I even said. There, there's a way where you can, you can look at a betting line and then look at the money line and determine where good value is. So what I was saying was, instead of betting the Bengals to cover, I would have much rather preferred them to win outright. Like it just, it seemed like a letdown spot. The points were too much at home for Cincinnati, so I gave that out as a play. And what I saw from there was crazy and rather alarming if you're the Titans, bro. The Bengals were missing four starters on their O-line. And some dude from PFF, I forgot what his name was. And he said they had zero sacks going into the fourth quarter. And the Titans already don't generate much of a QB hit rate. They don't sack the quarterback much. But, dude, when you got, like, Bobby Hart out there, I saw Bobby Hart. I saw Bobby Hart well for years on the Giants. When you have that out there, bro, and you can't get a pass rush, I think I think we could sort of cap the ceiling for the Tennessee Titans, man. Because if you can't rush the passer, especially when you're a team that likes to ground and pound, so chances are you're going to be playing with a lead, and then the other team is going to have to throw from behind, and you can't generate a pass rush. I'd be rather... I, I left that game yesterday really, really concerned about Tennessee. Yeah, same here. The... You know, I've talked about it a few times how when it comes to defense, like I value coverage a lot heavier than pass rush, but that doesn't mean it's not important. And it doesn't mean that you can't have a massive hole there, which they do. I mean, even the, um, what I'm playing? Oh, even the Seahawks would have been able to get pressure on a team like the Bengals a little bit, and they don't have a pass rush. Like it's so, so bad. And it makes you, it really handicaps how you have to play defense because you can't just, you know, you got to get creative with blitzes and it, which can work, but it leaves things open in the back end then. And it's really, really tough. And they don't have the firepower of a team like the Steelers, which is like, okay, we're not going to get pressure, but we can, we can outshoot you. The Titans offense is good, but the way they play is, is not up to par to be able to match that. However, what I'll say about the Titans is what I loved most about this game, if I'm being completely honest, is I can stop seeing the stat where it's like the Titans are 19 and 0 or 21 and 0 or whatever when Derrick Henry rushes for 100 yards. Like, yeah, congrats. That's because you rush when you're up in the game. Good job, guys. We've done a good thing here because now they have a loss. I can't stand stats that are like, well, when Ezekiel Elliott gets 19 catches. Or 19 rushes and two catches, the Cowboys are 32 and one. It's like, all right, bro, fuck. That, that doesn't like, I've, it started for me, bro, in 2012, because you know I'm an Andrew Luck stan. Stats became very misleading for me after he didn't win rookie of the year. I've said this at nauseum. When he didn't win, 
rookie of the year that year and it went to RG3 and the deciding factor was because Andrew Luck threw more interceptions than him even though Andrew Luck had better stats than him across the board his team won more games his team won their division sorry no no they went they didn't win their division I apologize they were a wild card team they lost to the Ravens who ended up winning the Super Bowl that year all because RG3 threw single-digit interceptions and luck through double-digit picks. And then, and then, Taryn, there was like a 200-pass attempt difference between the two of them. And it's like, yeah, no shit, bro. If I throw the ball 600 times and Taryn throws it 300 times, who's going to, who has a higher chance of making a mistake? Me, obviously. So ever since then, it was like, you know, Kyle Orton once led the league in passing yards. Congrats, right? Like, Brandon Lloyd, I think, led the league in receiving yards. And it's it just goes to show you how, yeah, there's there's a reason why stats exist and there's a reason why we cherish them and like them. A lot of it has to do with the fantasy aspect that's in football. But also, dude, like there are some stats that are completely bullshit. And to me, that you know, you know, you know what stat I like? Third down conversion. Right? Uh Keenan Allen, I think, leads the league in, in catches on third down. It's like, yeah, that, that's the kind of shit that I like there because those are meaningful plays. You know what I mean? Like, how many times has, and I love Deshaun Watson, but Deshaun Watson this year has been a pretty decent fantasy QB, and that's because his team is down 21 points, and then he's just throwing from behind. So, yeah, Watson has a 400-yard passing game, but it's because it was garbage time. And then on the flip side, you look at a guy like Pat Mahomes yesterday, completely blew up the slate from a DraftKings FanDuel perspective where nobody played him because there's a theory, Taryn, in in daily fantasy sports, a couple spots that people like to target. It's like double-digit home favorites. You take the running backs, right? In theory, you're playing up with a lead. Then you run the ball out to kill the clock. Well, sometimes it's the quarterback that gets you that double-digit lead. And... Mahomes, I think yesterday, you know what that game was for me, Taryn, yesterday against the Jets? It was, uh, let's remind fuckers who we are. Because we're talking about Russ and the Seahawks. We're talking about Kyler Murray. right? We're talking about Big Ben and the Steelers. You know what I mean? But let, let, let's remind people who Daddy is. That was a, let's remind people who Daddy was. Five touchdowns over 400 yards. Uh, Tyree Kill, double deuces, two touchdowns. And... Again, I'll go back to this. They have built some credibility with me. They have some leeway. There's some there's some give on the leash with the Chiefs where, yo, you know what? I allow you to lose at Oakland at home. I think they're the one team in the NFL that has a switch. If they play Pittsburgh, I don't know what their schedule is, but like what they did Monday Night Football, they played the Ravens and they reminded people like, yeah, yo, you did defending MVP? I bet this was going to happen. I'm going to hang fucking 35 on your head by the halftime. And that's what I think the Chiefs do. The Chiefs are going to be like what New England was during their heyday, where, you know, they'll beat the Jets by like three points. And then everyone's like, oh, my God, what happened? Is the dynasty falling apart? And then and then they'll play. Then they'll play Buffalo, who's like on a three game winning streak and they're starting to feel themselves. And then they just blow the doors off them. That's what I think is happening with Kansas City. I'd still pick them to represent the AFC, even though, even though I really, really like the Steelers, really like the Steelers. But 
it's it's one of those things where I'm just going to trust what I know, and I know they could turn on the switch whenever they want. I agree with everything you just said. But what I will say is I had an additional takeaway from that game. I was a little bit upset. There was no reason that he should have played as much as he did. Like maybe it was a little bit of a get right because I, I agree with what you say. They kind of can just turn it on when they want to. And they had a lot of guys, you know, some of the receiving weapons, uh, the like the second and third option, fourth option, were like seemed to be struggling a little bit. But who knows the reason for that? And it was kind of just a get right. Like everybody was eating against the Jets, you know, Hill, Kelsey, Hardman, DeMarcus, it didn't matter. Um, but there's no reason that they should have kept Mahomes in that long. It only takes one. I was a little bit upset. Like, could you imagine if he had gotten any sort of significant injury because they wanted to keep playing him up double digits against the Jets? That, like, the whole city probably would have rioted. Dude, I, I couldn't agree with you more. My dad, so last year we made a financial investment in the Kansas City Chiefs at the start of the year to win the Super Bowl. And uh, even the Houston game, the Houston game, they fall down 24 nothing. And then they end up getting like a 25-point lead. My dad is yelling at the TV, why the fuck is he still in? Get him out. Game's decided. Just, my, my dad is like super old school where if you're up two touchdowns, he wants you pulled in like the second quarter. He's like, yo, get him out. Like, rest him. Rest him. Like, why have him out there, you know? But it, it's, you know, we're joking around, but it's also true. Like, yo, that would be devastating. And you know that would be the talking point on every talk show. We'd probably open up with that. Like, oh, shit, do you play Mahomes in, in a meaningless game up 30 against the Jets? So I feel you on that. But again, I think that was a pad to stats, right? Because in the grand scheme of things, when you look back on 2020 Pat Mahomes, you'd be like, oh, shit, he threw whatever, 38 touchdown passes. You're not going to remember that, oh, he threw five against the Jets who were abysmal. It's like, no, you look at the grand scheme of things. So here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep on moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. And Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need and you can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need and just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best Offer available anywhere. Go right now to indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. Speaking of December 31st, if you go to Patreon right now, Patreon is giving out the option of you doing an annual membership fee. And if you go to patreon.com slash veterans minimum right now and accept annual membership fee you will pay up front for the entire year and you will be given a two month off your subscription you get a discount a discount of two months off your annual membership 
subscription. Say that three times fast. If you go and sign up for that, offer is up until December 31st. Let's pivot over to another two teams in that division. Um, A very exciting game between the Chargers and the Broncos, which I found super alarming that even though there's a new quarterback in L.A. with the Chargers, shouts to my guy Dilly, man, our guy Dilly, Chargers fan. He put out a tweet I found really funny. He was like, I'm used to this because they've blown four double-digit leads in the fourth quarter. And I think Allen tweeted out that the Falcons and the Chargers play each other in December. So that's going to be like, all right, who wants to lose this more? Who can find a creative way to lose this? But it comes down to the wire. Drew Locke finally looking like a quarterback that people believed coming into the year. One of the more heavily wagered bets this offseason over at FanDuel, Taron, was the Broncos to make the playoffs. They were like plus 220 just to make the playoffs, whether it was division or one of the three wild cards. And they've kind of been rather disappointing. And they come back and they win literally at the buzzer. I want to ask you this question, man. And I I know what you're going to say because of our conversations that we've had in the past about the running back position. Phillip Lindsay is the best running back on that team. He's been a really good and underappreciated running back. Why do you go and pay Melvin Gordon $8 million a year to bring him in and not just be like, yo, we got you as the bell cow and Lindsay, and we could spell you with Freeman, who I like also. I, I could not tell you. Um, for some reason, these teams just still really value the position, but it's almost like they value the namesake at the position. Like, people know who Melvin Gordon is, and they knew who he was last year when they signed him. I didn't think he was the best running back on his last team either. I was pounding the table for them to just run Eckler because I liked the team better when he was getting the snaps uh, when Melgo was on the Chargers. So it was like, I don't know. I don't know if it's that they actually really have this belief in the big star running backs or if it's just to sell jerseys to get fans pumped up because it's a household name. I I really am not sure. I mean, look, let's – let, let me be honest with you. I don't exactly think Melvin Gordon is selling jerseys. You don't? Not to that extent where you're like, yo, you know, let's bring in Melvin Gordon to sell some jerseys. Is he, a, is he, come on, man. Is he like a household name like that? Like he's not Zeke. He's not Saquon. He's not McCaffrey. Like he's a good running back, but even Derrick Henry, but he's not a guy that I'm like, yo, you know whose jersey I want to get? Melvin Gordon. Maybe yeah. if you live in Denver, though, because do you think more people like this offseason, you think they sold more Phil Lindsay or Melvin Gordon jerseys? Well, they, they sold more Melvin Gordon because that was the new jersey in town. I, maybe I'm just wishful thinking that I don't want to actually believe that there's a good portion of that front office that was like, we need Melvin Gordon. <laughs> maybe that's my problem is I really don't want to think that the people making that much money, that these are the decisions that they, they're making. How do you feel about Justin Herbert? First time playing in Denver, mile high. I think he handled himself pretty well. Got a little shaky out the gates to start, but took some big hits, man, too, in that game. Yeah, yeah. He is really interesting to watch. Um, it, it's He's so, like, volatile. It reminds me a lot of Matt Stafford. If he can, cons- like, 
the things I mentioned when we did the, what was it? The Herbert versus Burrow. If he can be at least somewhat consistent in those areas that I mentioned that are like, unless you're maybe Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers or something, they're always very wildly unpredictable. If he can get somewhat consistent, like I could really see him being like a Matt Stafford type quarterback who I've pounded the table for over and over. I, I love Matt Stafford. I always have, but it's just, you don't know. So it's really interesting for me to watch every week. I like, I love seeing Justin Herbert on TV. Cause I'm like, is he going to stay on the positive side of this? Or is this like, are we going to hit the wall and is the regression going to come? So it's always really interesting, but yeah, he's, he's playing well. I was also more impressed by Drew Locke as another guy that I've been really critical of. Um, similarly, I thought he, he, did really good and ex- exceeded my expectations, which is probably what ultimately ended up winning them the game. Let me ask you a question, just a general ge- general thought of whether it's sports or in real life. Do you think people's character gets covered when things are going well? Covered? Do you mean like... No, no, no. So what I mean was I also did a terrible job of actually presenting that question and not really elaborating the full way. But... What I mean by that is, do you think some people, their character is being covered because things are going well? And then the moment that things go bad, they tell you who you are. Because I'm of the believer that everyone tells you who they really are. You just don't want to believe them. Now, it could be from an athlete. It could be from a family member. It could be from a friend. It could be from a plus one. I think people tell you exactly who they are and what their intentions are, but you want to like, you know, you get goggles on for somebody and then before you know it, it's like all you see is is them or that direction or you have one just really strong belief. Like I got friends that will not back down from a stance that they have on, a, on an athlete or a sporting event despite you presenting them with a yellow book stat line, like just craziness, right? And the reason why I bring that up is I don't know if you saw what Hollywood Brown did on Twitter after that game yesterday. Hollywood Brown, cousins with Antonio Brown. I don't know if this is a Brown thing, but, man, he came out. He's like, yo, what's the point of having soldiers if you ain't going to ride with them? And is a guy who I, I think, I mean, I played him in DFS, and he dudded crazy. He had the one touchdown, but outside of that, he didn't really get any looks. You know, last year they're winning, they're the top seed, MVP Lamar, big trust, and all that shit, but then the moment shit is going bad, and, and they're on a, you know, they're they're not as dominant, and people are not as afraid of them as they once were, he comes out and says this, and to me, I think he was a guy who, look, you gotta be sketchy about a dude that calls himself Hollywood. <clears throat> Have I ever told you the Hollywood story in South Beach? No. Oh, my God. Okay, dude. Listen. We're in Miami. First year I go down there. It's like 2012. And uh, I'm what? I'm 21? I'm 22? I think, I'm, I, think I, I just turned 21. Anyway, we're on, we're on South Beach. And have you ever been to Miami? Okay, so like South Beach, if you guys have never been down there, there's a lot of like scammers and a lot of people that are trying to sell you this idea of like, yo, I'll get you VIP at this nightclub, bottles and shit, all for like 12 bucks. And you're like, yo, what the fuck? I'm going to get all this access to. They're going to sell you on like, yo, you're going to meet up at this hotel. You're going to have all you can drink, all you can eat. And then we're going to take you in a limo to the venue, right? 
some old 58-year-old white dude comes up to us and goes, yo, I'm, I'm hosting this party. I got pull. I'll get you guys in. No problem. Gives us his card. His name is Hollywood. We're like, yo, come on, man. He's charging like $60 for all this. We're like, yo, come on, man. Anyway, we're walking down. We see this kid, these two kids. They come up to us. They're our age. We're like, all right, yo. He's like, yo, man, we got this, this spot. Yada, yada. It sells us the same package that this dude Hollywood sells us. And we end up paying like 50 bucks to this guy. Long story short, we go to the hotel that he told us to meet at. The, the two guys, the two dudes. Go there. They're like, yo, what the fuck are you guys doing here? We're like, oh, yo, we're here for the... Like, no, there isn't anything like this. We're like, yo, look, here are the tickets. They're like, dude, on the ticket, it says adult at the top. Like, like adult. Like, if you, go to, if you go to an event and it's like child or adult or senior citizen. Like, we didn't even notice that. We were just so, like, young, horny, and stupid. We didn't have any idea what was going on. So, anyway, we're over there. So, we get scammed, right? We all lose $50. We're like, yo, what the fuck? We end up going to the nightclub that those original dudes, the two dudes told us about to go and see like, yo, if we see them, be like, yo, what the fuck, this and that. Yo, we're waiting online. A party bus pulls up. A dude walks out the party bus. Who is it? Hollywood. Hollywood. In a fucking Gucci, Gucci silk shirt, white pants, because you know he was ready to party. And out of this party bus, Taryn, no exaggeration, 30 dime pieces are walking out. He sees me and I'm with I'm with like my buddy Johnny. I'm with my buddy John. Tim is there also. He just goes, Hey, my New York boys, what's up? You guys came to hang with Hollywood? And then all of a sudden, guess who's hanging out with Hollywood? <laughs> my God. What the <laughs> So going back, sometimes you should trust someone whose name is Hollywood. Sometimes you shouldn't. How do you feel about Hollywood Brown and this shit that's happening with the Ravens, man? Because it ain't all sunshine and rainbows this year for them. It's a tough one. Like, it seemed very obvious, given the situation, that he was, like, taking shots. But also, like, it is just a tweet. Like, was he probably? But I don't know, dude. He could have been, like, thinking of song lyrics off the top of his head and just, I don't know, tweeted them out, whatever. I don't know. It's, like, my biggest issue with it is you're so young, dude. Like, you're a second-year player. Calm down. On a on a team that was fantastic last year, you, had, you guys had high ex- expectations this year. But, man, that's, like, someone like a Julio Jones saying this and – or tweeting something like that out versus a second year, you know, wide receiver like Hollywood Brown is, there's a big difference. But what I will say just to maybe, well, not to take victory laps. I'm trying not to do that around here, but the second least accurate quarterback this week so far was Ben DiNucci. Do you know who the least accurate quarterback this week so far was? Lamar Jackson, since we're talking about the Ravens. Good job. Good good job picking up on those context clues. <laughs> so, I mean, I can see frustration, but maybe keep it to yourself. It's given, you know, read the room. Right, right. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more, man. It's, um, you know, I, I like what I saw out of Baltimore with Dobbins. I've been, I've been yelling for weeks now. 
since since the draft, you know, just unleash him. There are a couple of teams that I want to just unleash their running back, and, and he's one of them. Just, like, give him the reins, bro. He's a really good guy. Uh, Henderson in, in Los Angeles, I feel the same way. Um, I know he got dinged up in the Miami game. Gaskins, they've already done that with him where they're giving him the reins. And, like, yo, also, like, with these young guys, could we, could we give them some leeway? Like, don't, don't put him in the doghouse because he fumbles one time. Like, you're going to just ruin the guy's confidence. You know, give him a little bit. Be like, all right, man, look, listen, uh, high and tight, keep it close, whatever. Like, critique him and help him, but don't bench him. Like, don't do what Belichick does and just completely ruins the guy's confidence. But that's just how I feel about them. Look, I, I think Pittsburgh is legit. They just traded for Avery Williamson from the Jets, who a lot of people might not know because he's on the Jets. He's a baller, man. He's probably their best. He's been one of their best players on defense, and he's always been, like, when you were to talk, when you talk to people about the Jets the last couple of years, they'd be like, yo, Jamal Adams, CJ Mosley. And then you'd be like, yo, you know who's nice and don't get respect? Avery Williamson. You saw the same shit happen with Demario Davis, who's on the Saints now, coming off an old pro season, former Jet as well. So I think Avery Williamson, going to throw him in there for Devin Bush. Man, I think that's another just adding more fuel to this fire. That's a good fire that's burning with that Steelers defense, man. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's so frustrating. Like, it's just what we were talking about earlier with the Green Bay Packers. Like, this team is undefeated, and they're like, yo, this is our year. We can we can get better. It, like, not being complacent. And and they, if, if anyone could be complacent right now, it's probably them. Like, they're like, yo, we like what we got. We're going to roll through it. And they're still, like, throwing resources at it to try and get better. And I don't get why more teams don't do that. I might sound a little extra frustrated because my team in particular doesn't like to do that. But, yeah, man, I think it's a great fit, and I'm with you. I love Avery Williamson. That's a, a guy not a lot of people are going to know about. When the Jets brought in C.J. Mosley, I was like, yo, he's great. But the reason I love that is because now they have him and Avery Williamson in the middle of that defense. It's going to be fire. I, I love it for Pittsburgh. Um, there's not even much more to say other than I wish it was me. <laughs> what, else, what else stood out to you in Week 8, man? Ooh. Let me see here. What uh, what are your thoughts on the the Vegas Raiders? It's funny that you bring them up because as I had my notes, that was the next game that I wanted to bring up to you. Um, but it's more so critiquing the Cleveland Browns than praising the Raiders. Um, I'm going to sound super salty, but why is it that Kareem Hunt is a better running back when he's splitting time with Nick Chubb than when he's given the reins. Cause I know Kareem hunt was drafted a lot higher than he should have for being a backup running back because of the idea of if Chubb ever got hurt, you're looking at a potential top five to six running back on your roster. I don't know what it is. It seemed like Baker. Am I bugging? If I said that Baker seemed more comfortable yesterday Without Odell, like it seemed like he didn't always look Odell's direction. And Odell is a very polarizing player. He's a player who commands a lot of attention and needs the ball a lot. I don't know. Baker, from the eye test, kind of like, like I know he was like moving around in the pocket doing the usual Baker stuff. But I just felt a little bit different watching him. And I wonder if that has to do with Baker Mayfield not having Odell out there. 
Yeah, I don't think you're bugging. Um, this is it's another thing we just talked about with like the stats lying. He's been really poor in some games last year. I didn't or this year so far, and I didn't think yesterday was one of them. Like the stat sheet looked like he played like dog shit, but nobody really helped him out. And I do think he looks a little bit more comfortable, which is tough because that conversation is so weird to me. Like, are they better with or without OBJ? I'm, I still fall on the side of like, you know, talent is not going to make you worse. But I think what I realized watching that game, um, and it's one because of that conversation, I went back last night and watched it on the, uh, like rewatched it. It looks like he just has full trust in, in what Stefanski's trying to do. And I think that that's the difference for me. And he was a big offseason piece. We talked about like him leaving the Vikings, and I was I like him. Um, and I thought he was going to be good for the Browns. I think maybe he just doesn't give to the scheme when OBJ's on the field because he's like, I, yo, screw the scheme. Like I got to get this ball to Odell. Um, and and who knows? And it's kind of like uh, Odell wasn't like you know asking to be traded or like any of that wild shit this year before he went down. But if you remember, like, it can cause certain issues with the number one wide receiver. Stefan Diggs was throwing fits last year in the same scheme because he wasn't getting the ball. Um, and, like, when he did, when it worked out, it was nice, similar to how it did when Odell would get open for the Browns this year before he went down. So there's a lot to unpack there, but I don't disagree with you, your original question. He, he looked more comfortable, and I think the stat sheet lies a little bit for how he played yesterday. The the original talking point that you mentioned was the Raiders. I don't know what to make of them. Is that is that okay to say? Because I, I just they're they're a weird team to me. Um, they could generate a little bit of a pass rush, but not enough where you feel comfortable that they can make a stop. Derek Carr is chucking it all over the field, but also. It's not like connecting, if that makes sense. Um, I know yesterday was like really wild wind conditions. But they're, you know, they're in a division that's going to be really interesting moving forward. It seems like every team is comfortable with their quarterback. I would love to talk to some of the Raider people that I know over at B-Dub and find out how they feel about him. But I think... I just, I just don't know what to make of, of the Raiders. That's, uh, that's my honest assessment of them. I just don't know. Yeah, and I don't think that's crazy. It's, maybe it was a weird time to ask, but it's just something I've been feeling. But like you said with the game yesterday, I mean, it was raining sideways. Um, so, the, you know, it's tough to gauge really what you see from an offense. But they've just been weird week to week. Defensively, sometimes they look – like they're all right, like enough to just to win games. And other times they look like they couldn't stop anything. And then the offense, similarly, it's like if if Derek Carr is willing to actually uncork it, he can look pretty good. But sometimes he doesn't. And sometimes when he does, it's not connecting. So they're in a really weird spot. But I could see them being like a, a pain in the ass, I'll call it, at the very least. I think I've reached that level with them where if I see we get closer to the end of the year and there's like playoff seeding or division winning implications and there are teams playing the Raiders, I can see them screwing things up for other teams at the very least. 
Yeah, it, it's hard. It's hard not to think that when they go into Kansas City and ruin their undefeated streak. So, and I know anytime I talk about Kansas City, I kind of give them the benefit of the doubt. But also, you got to give the Raiders credit for for taking that game. Um, okay. Last thing I want to ask you about is Carson Wentz. Um, the Dallas Cowboys have made everybody they play look like all pros at the quarterback position. Um, besides J- Daniel Jones, um, of course. And uh, like even Kyle Allen was shredding them last week. Dude, what's good with Carson Wentz? Because I'm starting to get concerned. My my stock is starting to get a little shaky. All the stock that I have in, on Carson Wentz. Dude, it's one of the weirdest things that I've ever seen. He's so wildly inconsistent. And it's not even in spots that make sense. Like you said, like this should have been a, okay, Carson Wentz isn't completely dead in the water spot. Like he should have lit them up. It doesn't matter who he was throwing to. Like it's the Dallas Cowboys. And he just didn't look good at all. It, I, I really don't know what to make of it. I don't know if he has some lingering back issues, if he's just I, – I really don't know. If there's locker room problems, that's something that I've heard before. But, like, it, it doesn't make any sense from what we've seen, whether it's eye test – the numbers don't make sense um, it, from an analytics perspective. It's really just like this anomaly is something I don't know what to make of. You, you are a thousand percent right that this should have been four touchdowns, no interception, one rushing touchdown for 335 yards against Dallas. And it was everything but that. It was bad. And, yo, you know what? I think we need to start putting some respect on Fulgham's name. He's a baller, man. Just because he didn't come from a flashy school, I think that dude could really play. And he got Jalen Rieger back, who they took in the first first round. Um, I think I think they're starting to get some pieces back, right? Dallas Goddard came back. They'll they'll get Miles Sanders back if not this week coming up, the week after. Boston Scott is a nice back to step in and and carry the load for a game or two. I don't know if his size like Darren Sproles, and I know they put the graphic up, but I don't know if your build is built to withstand a 16-game schedule. So I don't think you need that from Boston Scott. I think, you know, get another start out of him is cool. You saw some Corey Clement in there also. I still think their defense is rather shaky. Like, the Cowboys were able to get some sustained drives, and then they would just fall apart, like, inside the red zone, which is where really... I've started to realize and to come around on that's where like the quarterbacks make their money money. It's like when you're in the red zone because that last line of defense is the out-of-bounds line and everything is a lot tighter. It's more compact, tighter windows to throw. That's really where you pay your quarterback for. So it was it was concerning to see Carson Wentz struggling like that. I also don't like the fact that they have a fucking statue of Nick Foles outside the stadium. I'm sure that's not comfortable for him to walk into every every week that he goes there. Like, that got to be awkward, bro. That's like dating some girl, and she has a poster in her room of her ex-boyfriend. Yeah. You're not wrong. Um, it's, it's extra weird because, like, now, so I pulled up, while you're talking, I pulled up his P- 
PFF grades um, and his passing grades. So, like, the best one he's had this season is against Pittsburgh, 83.8. That don't make any fucking sense. And then it was, like, 68, 72. He's like, okay, we're at least not in garbage can Carson Wentz territory like we were in the beginning of the season. Like, I started to think that, okay, we're bouncing back to a little bit of normalcy. And then Dallas, which is, let me see, Giants – Baltimore, Pittsburgh were those games I mentioned. This should have been the easiest matchup he's had of all those. And he lays an egg and pooped his pants. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, there got to be something there. There got to be something there. I, I, I almost hope that the, there's like an injury that we don't know about so I could give him the benefit of the doubt. Not that I want him injured, right? But I'm saying like, hopefully it's like one of those things where, you know, like at the end of every season, a report will come out where like, oh, Chris Johnson actually had a torn meniscus since week three you're like what the fuck how do you do all that right so it's like you give the guy the benefit of the doubt so i'm hoping there's like some some shit going on with him because that's the only way it could justify what we've been seeing from him exactly yeah i'm with you not that you wanted to be here but it's like i said and he's had some you know in the past some weird ones too like a back that's always finicky you never know if something can bother you or if it's not actually hurting him like if you're worried about it or if it changed how you like your motion because it's something's more comfortable for you. I'm with you. I, I hope that, you know, he figures it out because when he's good, he's fun to watch. And the sample size that we have says that he's not this quarterback that we're seeing. Is there anything else from week eight that you want to talk about? Not really, man. Um, I'm excited for the, uh, the game tonight. <laughs> what are you excited about? Come on, tell me the truth. Do you want to see Brady go for five touchdowns? And <laughs> I mean, you're what if uh, what if your boy James Bradbury? You know, there's pieces to watch. Come on. Listen, I, I will say, right now we're we're three and one on the picks that I give out on the podcast. I actually gave out the Giants plus ten and a half. I do think the game can. It you know who the 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 Bucks play next week. They play the Saints. And I think I think this could be sort of a look-ahead spot for them. Because they've already lost to the Saints once before. You could get a commanding lead on the division if you beat the Saints. Saints are on a four-game winning streak. I mean, fuck, who knows? But they should have Michael Thomas back. Right? Like, I don't even know what's, go- what's going on with Michael Thomas. Is he still hurt? Is it disciplinary? Like, what's up? I don't know. I think that there's something there that we're not 100% because he's like supposed to be back or like could be back for weeks now until yeah. he started doing wild shit and punching people. Right. That's exact. That's exactly what I'm saying. Like, it just doesn't make any sense as to what the issue is with Michael Thomas. But I, I do think that there's some possibility that the the Bucks are maybe looking past. Now, I'm not saying they're going to lose to the Giants. I'm not getting that crazy, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's like a close game and, you know, maybe they win by 10. Maybe they win by seven. There's one thing about Daniel Jones is he, he keeps games close. I'll give him that. He doesn't, he never finishes them. He always gets, you know, picked off or fumbles. But in his career, it's, it's very rare that he gets blown out. So, at least you're going to get a competitive game, I think. And they got Sterling Shepard back last week. And, you know, Evan Ingram is going to run three-yard button hooks and into the flats. 
we've turned Evan Ingram into Jason Witten of his last year in Dallas and what he is now with the Raiders. But yeah, man, I'm I'm curious to see what it's going to be. I want to see I want to see them. Uh, if if you're a legitimate contender and you're the Buccaneers, you you beat the shit out of the Giants tonight. So that's how that's how I feel about this. Yeah, I don't I don't think you're wrong. And I was kind of just trying to be funny, giving shouting a shout out your boy James Bradbury. But the really reason the real reason I'm excited is this team in the in the Buccaneers. I really like watching because I think every single week they get a little bit closer to finding the right mesh of Bruce Arians, just big dick YOLO balls and what Tom Brady has done for every single year of his career, which is the opposite of that other than the Randy Moss year. And they're like finding the proper way to blend that those systems together, which they're both comfortable with. And I think as we move forward, the the team's going to look a lot more lethal. Um, so that's why I'm really excited to watch them. But that was a really good point. I wasn't aware, actually, that they play the Saints next week, which you've got to be thinking of at least a little bit, especially because it's the Giants that you're playing this week. I mean, if you go down 0-2 to the Saints, you could that causes a lot of issues for the division because they're like a good enough team where it's not like they're going to go into the, the end of the year and be up probably three games on them record-wise. It could be, but I don't see it likely. So – to have them be down to both games to them, I think is a really big deal. And that has to be at least in their mind somewhere. Couldn't agree with you more, man. I was just looking. We got a new patron, Tristan Casso. Congrats and welcome aboard. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I'm going to give a little bit of a studio tour on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Veterans Minimum. There'll be a video on there. Going to start cranking out more content, guys. More Patreon exclusive. All that is going into funding this place that I'm sitting in right now. So I can't thank you all enough. Thank you all who listen. And I've gotten this show to where it's at. Shout out to Blue Wire. Because why not? They help pay the bills too. You know what I'm saying, Taryn? And you know me, man. Whoever helps pay the bills, I'm forever grateful. (laughs) Yeah, they're on your nice list for sure. Taryn, where can they find you, man? Uh, you can find me on Twitter um, at Taryn Caravella, T-A-R-E-N-C-A-R-A-V-E-L-L-A. At The Lamb Show is where you can find me. At Veterans Minimum is where you can find everything for the show. We'll see you guys on Thursday. Before we sign off, big shout-outs to the members of our Patreon. We got Orvica, Derek Pleates, Corey Johnson-Hoops, Nick Chavez, Christopher Velasquez, Daniel Gibson, Back Bay Bay, and Ryan Pisner. Shouts to all of you. And most importantly, congrats. I'm coming for real, taking that food right off of your grill. Nikki too ill, can't let it drop in me spill. Clogging the lane, I'm feeling the strain. I'm here for the spot to be filled. Not to be cocky, but all of you watching while I'm in the cup paying property bills. Got it.